You're listening to the American Alpine Club podcast, your guide to the climbing community. The AEC is super excited to be co-hosting a brand new climbing festival that centers BIPOC, LGBTQ+, and adaptive climbers in Yosemite Valley, called United in Yosemite. In this episode, we sat down with Genevieve Walker and Thomas Bukowski, who are each deeply embedded in the climbing world, helping create more inclusive climbing experiences, and who are guides who will be running clinics at United in Yosemite. Our conversation covers what climbing means to them, the obstacles they face as guides, why United in Yosemite matters, and the magic these kinds of events can generate. Listen in to get a sneak peek of what to expect from the event and get a glimpse behind the scenes of the guiding world. Our partners at the Yosemite Conservancy and the National Park Service were crucial for bringing this idea to fruition, and we're so excited to see what this becomes. Our community partners, Brown Girls Climb, Queer Crush, and Para Cliffhangers have been doing this work for years, and we can't thank them enough for steering this work. Finally, this event is funded in part by RAB, Parks Project, and Wondery. If you want to work with guides like Genevieve and Thomas, you can find highly qualified guides in the Climb United databases, a collection of photographers, creatives, and guides who identify as members of underrepresented communities, including BIPOC, LGBTQIA2S+, and people with both seen and unseen disabilities. We hope that by connecting people, climbers across the country can easily find connection, mentorship, and joy within the climbing community. Through these databases, underrepresented groups are further able to make themselves and their communities known to the outdoor industry and beyond. If you'd like to explore the databases and hire a guide or photographer, check it out at AmericanAlpineClub.org slash climb united. If you yourself are a guide or photographer that would benefit from this community and professional opportunities, sign up to become part of the Climb United databases, also at AmericanAlpineClub.org slash climb united. Since 1981, outdoor research has created trusted apparel, accessories, and equipment for you to thrive outside. Their award-winning outdoor gear is meticulously researched and tested for outdoor enthusiasts and military users around the globe. Grounded in their values of curiosity, passion, innovation, collaboration, and community, OR strives to create space for all in the outdoors. OR celebrates wins outside at every level, together with their ambassadors, nonprofit partners, and employees. Check them out at OutdoorResearch.com. Thomas and Genevieve, welcome to the podcast. Um, I am super excited. We're going to be talking about United in Yosemite today, which is a first of its kind event in Yosemite. You guys are both there and I think will be leading clinics. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Yep. Cool. But first, I want to talk about just you two and what you're up to in general in the climbing world, because both of you are up to some really cool things. And why not take the opportunity to just geek out about climbing, right? So I guess first, Genevieve, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So my name is Genevieve Walker. I'm originally from New York and have been climbing for about 10 years. I currently am based in Chattanooga, Tennessee, as of a year ago. Um, the last 
five-ish years, I've just been kind of living on the road full-time, doing the climbing thing. I started guiding back in 2019. I got my single pitch instructor then. And I last fall, I just took my rock guide course. So I'm a rock guide apprentice now, which I'm super excited about going down that track. It can be a long, expensive road, but it'll be worth it. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like you caught me in this like weird transition in my life where there's a lot of moving parts. I am kind of transitioning more within my like guiding career because guiding is kind of like my main thing right now. And switching my focus, I think more towards just like the BIPOC community and, and my own community because I've kind of, I think I lost a little sight in that in the last couple of years, just like trying to like hustle and grind and you know, make money in that field. And I can finally say I'm grateful to have the opportunity to be more selective with the work I do, which I'm really excited about. And with that as well, like guiding has kind of taken a big part of my life and kind of took away a little bit of like my like my love and passion for personal climbing. So I'm trying to focus this year more on just personal projects and like kind of reconnecting with that love that I have with climbing. So just finding more time for myself, finding more work-life balance, which I think we're all doing constantly. I don't know if you can ever say that you're like set with that balance. I feel like it's a constant ebb and flow. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I just bought a house, my first house last year. So I'm really excited about that. Hell yeah. Um, but needs a lot of work. So I've been slowly doing like a lot of projects here and there with my partner, um, which is also taking up a lot of my time. But I'm like kind of figuring out that uh, construction and renovations, all of that are like doable. You just got to like YouTube the hell out of things. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm kind of learning a little bit more about myself outside of climbing. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for all that detail. I have many follow-up questions, but Thomas, can you also introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, my name is Thomas Bukowski. I, I'm originally from Hong Kong and I've been climbing for... I don't know, some 17 or 18 years or something. I really started climbing more seriously when I moved to the U.S. for college. And and then when I moved out to California, 12 or 13 years ago or something like that. And um, yeah, I think I've, it, it's, I think this United, I'm, I'm really excited, I think personally about the United in Yosemite event, because I think when I first moved to the U.S. and to California and, and to San Francisco, I, I think, Yosemite was a place that was like very, I like, I'd heard of it, but it was very intimidating. It was very scary. I didn't know how to drive and many, I didn't have any trad gear, didn't know how to trad climb and things like that. And so I, I like, I think I can really see how something like this could, an event like this could have been really helpful for me when I was first starting out in all of these things. And so, yeah, so I'm very, I'm just really, I'm really excited to sort of get a chance to kind of give back in that way. And like now sort of, and I know how many people have, I feel like I know in person a lot of people that I think have tried to like start, you know, start climbing Yosemite or kind of sort of just get into sort of this world and have it be just really just, just sort of not, they kind of just try and it's been really difficult and they kind of just like sort of give up after a while, right? Focus on other things in life, kind of maybe they bought a house and they got really, you know, busy with that instead of just because of how, how, many, how many barriers I think there are to get there. I also, let's see, I think I, I did my rock guy course last year. Is that right? Yeah. And I've been getting for about two years, not quite as long as Genevieve. And I think also in some ways wrestling with some of those same balances between like how much climbing is personal versus how much of climbing, you know, is can be a job or can be something that I'm sort of pursuing for more than myself. I think that's 
that kind of balance is also a meaning I've been trying to look for in life a little bit where it's like, well, you know, I think I've been on the road for five years, five years or so as well, just kind of climbing and living and living in a van and kind of doing that very classic um, lifestyle. And I think after a year or two, I was like, oh, you know, just climbing every day over and over again. It's like, yeah, that's the dream. But it's also like I found that after a while, so I was like, oh, that's not quite enough for me. I feel like it was hard for me to be like, oh, I'm satisfied. Or that's enough meaning in my in my life. So I think I started looking. That's how I started guiding. That's how I started, started looking for a little more involvement. So I ended up doing, I think through the guiding world, I ended up doing a lot of mostly instructing at a lot of affinity festivals, a lot of different kinds of spaces like that. And um, that's been definitely very fulfilling and sort of a very interesting, it's even very, an interesting perspective on just how climbing is evolving. Yeah, that's a bit about me. So cool. Okay. So I'm about to ask you potentially an impossible question, but I am excited to watch like your brains work as you try to answer it. You know, both of you are talking about finding meaning in other parts of your life, but can we start with like, what does climbing mean to you or what does it give you or why is it integral part of who you are? And is it an integral part of who you are? I'm making an assumption there. I guess what got me started in climbing um, was... Honestly, the like, so many things. What should I start with? <laughs> Just like the struggle, honestly. Like I love pushing myself. I can't say I was always athletic, but I enjoyed being outside and just doing whatever I could find to keep me busy as a kid. I wasn't climbing. I, I started climbing in college. So it wasn't like hiking and doing all these like typical outdoorsy things was like part of my agenda growing up. But when I got into it, it just felt like, something that I felt decently good with, like okay with, but I like, I enjoyed being able to push myself and like see my body kind of like adapt and just see how far I could push myself. And then from there, I mean, when I first got into climbing, I was in like a really dark space. I'm not, I won't go into that, but it kind of helped me get out of that place of darkness and like open my eyes and myself to like a whole nother version of myself that I haven't seen in a lot of years. So it was kind of like a coping mechanism for me as well. And I think that really helped push me more into the activity. And I wish I could say that like community kind of like helped initiate that as well. But when I first started climbing, like I literally was the only black person I knew climbing. Like we didn't have meetups and all these festivals and groups and things like there was no other people of color at my gym. Uh, I didn't have any other friends of color that climbed. Like, it was just me. And, like, growing up in that type of lifestyle where, like, my family was the only, like, black family in the neighborhood. And I went to a very white school. Like, it wasn't something that I ever really thought about because it was just part of my life my entire life. Um, it wasn't until maybe 2018, so a few years ago, when I started moving out, well, traveling out West and meeting other people, other women and other people of color who are kind of like in these more like leadership roles and like creating these spaces for people like me to just meet and hang and climb. And I was like, oh my God, like there are other people out there. Like I had no idea. Um, so now I want to say that like, it's this community that like keeps me going. Um, so kind of like what Thomas was saying, like, if all I did was climb every day, like I was getting bored. Like it really had no meaning to me to just climb every day. Like what brings me meaning now into this like world is like the friendships I make, the people I meet, like this community that 
in my immediate circle, it just keeps growing. Uh, like that's what's keeping me alive and like wanting to keep doing the sport. What about you, Thomas? Yeah, that's, let's see. Um, <laughs> I think, I think first and foremost for me, climbing is like, uh, you know, it's kind of a, such a, maybe an overused term now, but like, it's kind of a moving meditation, right? It's a kind of a, like, it's sort of a movement and an awareness in my body. I think like, I, that's something that I really, and maybe that's partly a, a sort of from just climbing, having climbed for a long time. So I'm very used to how it feels to climb and I'm very, it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's evolved into a very deep relationship with just my own body, right. And my own awareness, my own body. So I really, that's where I really, I always like to say, like, I get, if I don't like climb for a couple of days, I kind of get a bit grumpy. I've noticed, <laughs> or maybe that's just what I tell myself. So I, but anyways, um, so then that's the thing that's most, that's first of all, was I think at the end of the day, I'm like, even I want to be a lifelong climber. I want to climb in my fifties and sixties and seventies. And, you know, and I know it won't be, you know, as life goes on, you know, it'll be a different, it'll be different climbing than what I was doing now and what I was doing 10 years ago and so on. But, um, I think that I hope that kind of that sense of like um, that that sense of awareness and that sense of sort of moving meditation will stay with me this my whole life. And I think beyond that, I think climbing to me is also I think a way to it often is a way to get somewhere. I think it's often a way to like get to the top of something or it's the uh, the way to go sort of be able to see a place from a different perspective. Um, and I think that's interesting. I think these days climbing is more and more of an athletic pursuit and more and more of a, something that in a way also is, I think, getting more competitive. Um, you know, it's in the Olympics now and so on, but which is great. You know, I, I think there's so, there's so many different ways to climb. And, um, but I think at the end of the day, I think I, I identify in a way, right. Or I think I feel for me, I climbing is more of an adventure and an exploration sport. Um, and that's what it means to me, but it's also, it's also fun to try hard. And it's also fun to like really challenge yourself and be like, how can I do, like, how can I, this thing that feels impossible. And then, you know, you work on it sometimes just a couple more times. And then you're like, Oh, actually I can totally do that move. Or I can totally do that sequence. Like that is also a really amazing experience as well. Yeah. I love getting to talk about like this question with folks because for every person it's different. Like I love the idea of moving meditation. And I also just like the how fired up Genevieve just got about like how important community is. Like, that's awesome. Like the layering that she also really cares about the movement part. That's where you started the challenge part. And, but then you started like evolving that answer. Like I just, there's so many layers to what climbing could be. And at the same time, both of you are identifying needs for outside that climbing can't be the entire world. <laughs> so I guess I want to dig into that a little bit. Like what part of climbing or climbing culture do you struggle with the most? And what part of climbing maybe most heals you or feeds your soul? If you want to go there. If you want to go first, Thomas, you totally can. Sure. <laughs> what do I struggle with the most? I think in the U.S. anyway, I think climbing is, like, I think being in climbing, being in places that typically have climbing is often a pretty scary experience for me. I think, yeah, I think, you know, it's it's not, how do you say this, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not from this country, I didn't grow up here, you know, I think, and I think I don't, I sort of, it's... There's a lot of, yeah, I think there's, there's just the, the general fee of the unknown there. I think being, being queer, being gay, it's also like, you know, there's a lot of, 
you know, it's funny, right? It's like you, you hear you hear all these stories and you're like, oh, so it, it's, I guess it's pretty, you, see, you hear all these, you know, stories of bad things happening to folks that are queer and gay and so on and so forth. And you're like, okay, well, that must be, that's, so I guess it's pretty scary out there. And actually I had a friend the other day being like, well, is it, you know, she was challenging me. She was kind of like, well, is it like, is it, is it, is it, is it something that's just in your head or is it something that actually, that, you know, is it actually something that is, that you should be like pretty afraid of on a day to day basis. And I'm kind of like, I don't really know actually, but you know, you, when you hear stories of people, people who have, who are similar to you in these ways have, you know, sort of bad things happen to them. You're, you're kind of like, well, I guess I will be more careful. And I guess that's just, that's, that's that. And so I think like, you know, a lot of, a lot of client places are rural, are in rural places in America. And I think that's, that's, um that's, that's probably one of the things I like the least about it is that is how scary it is. I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess I want to go climb, you know, in, in this state or that state, but it's like, Oh, like that's going to be, you know, just in the back of my head, I'm like, Oh, that's going to be a little scarier than say climbing in California. And um, what do I like most about it? I think, I think to echo, I think Genevieve's sort of comment on community earlier. I think especially the last couple of years as I've done more, more of these affinity climbing events and just be, and sort of met more folks that are like BIPOC or queer and otherwise have, I think, just more intersectional identities that are guides and climbers. I think I have started to find actually like more of a sense of community in climbing that than I really ever have. I think, and I don't, I think I didn't even really realize that for like the first like 10 or 12 years I was climbing, I like didn't really have a ton of community. Like I had a group of friends that I would climb with, but I wouldn't necessarily say that like, I'm like, oh, these people really understand who I am. Am I think like a lot of folks, you know, in your early twenties, you like, in your twenties, you sort of you find someone you have some kind of you know sort of shared interest in, and then you're like, cool, let's do this stuff together, and then that's and that becomes sort of your the unifying bond between your friendship and a group of friends and things like that. But then after a while, you're like, okay, well, maybe I want a little more than just like, oh, we go and play tennis together, um, and that's when I think you you start to be like, well, how similar are these people to me? How much can they really understand who I am? And I think I really struggled with that for a while, but I guess, like, I think I was surprised how much community I was able to find in in climbing when I went and looked for it. I think for a while, I was like, oh, well, there's no... And then for many years in Yosemite, I sort of made this joke, like, oh, you know, there's... I always tell my friends, hey, let me know if you find another gay climber in Yosemite, because I don't know anyone else who's gay, like, climbs here regularly. And I, like, literally, that went on for years and years and years. And then, you know, now there's, you know, there's a couple more folks that are gay that climb there, right? So it's... um. You you you, ha- you can find it, but you have to you do have to I think put the work into like find and make those communities. It's harder, I think, especially the more the more intersecting identities you have, the harder it is to like for that community to just like appear or for you to even hear about it and hear about these people. You have to kind of seek it out. So that's also a great part of it, which is maybe you know I guess community in a way is a great counterpoint to to um to fear right fear of being different. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of piggybacking off of you with the whole community thing. It's like. You do have to like search for it. And I think that's been a big part of my life lately is just like really seeking out all these spaces and opportunities to be around other people that are like me and share similar experiences. Because in my like day to day life, I don't have that. I think the older I get, especially now that I'm in my like early 30s, there I'm it's really cool transitioning from your 20s to your 30s. I feel like in my 30s, I'm like finally realizing like more of who I am and what I want out of life and I think what I deserve. And what I want out of life more is like being around people like that have similar experiences like me where I feel like I can like, you know, vent or be vulnerable and not have to explain myself. I feel like I'm making an assumption, but I'm assuming that like people that 
look like me, share similar experiences to me, will get me more. I won't have to explain myself. I can just like be. And I like that. And I'm like starting to notice like just little even like mannerisms when I'm like in these affinity spaces versus not like the way I act. I just feel like I'm a little bit more vibrant and like open and like joyful and like less stressed. And like I I love that. And I'm like feeding for it. I'm almost getting obsessed over it in a way because like I just realized that like most of my life I didn't have that. And I shouldn't like look in the past because no regrets. But like I now that I know that you know, there are more people out there climbing that look like me. Like, I want to find them. I want them in my life. Like, you know, this is this is this is what I want going forward. So I'm like really excited about this event because I think this is just going to be another one of those times where like we can all come together and just like be ourselves and just have fun, maybe learn a little bit about ourselves and just like make more connections. Because that's where I'm at right now. Being an adult is hard to make. It's hard to make friends as an adult. It really is. I'm realizing that it takes more time and effort and energy. And there's just not if with if you're not climbing, like what other activities do I have to like meet other people that you know that I share some experiences with? So I think this is going to be one of those times where like I can just be around a bunch of amazing folks and just have fun and, and make make friends. So I'm really excited about that. And I guess also piggybacking off of Thomas with um, kind of like the darker sides of climbing is like, yeah, a lot of these places are in rural areas. And I, I go to them all the time. You know, I, I feel like I'm in a place where I can like hold myself and hold my ground if if a conflict arises. But as also an instructor and somebody who likes to instruct a lot, when I'm thinking about like clinics or events that I want to um, – picking the place is something that's like high on my priority list because a lot of these places – I wouldn't feel comfortable bringing somebody who's maybe newer to climbing to that area because I want to make sure that they feel safe and that they're having a good time. And if I can't, one, like provide that safety for them, I feel like I failed. And it's really hard in these areas, especially like within the last, you know, few years with all of the, just with every, all the political stuff that's going on, I feel like, you know, people are more apt to wear their like, political views on their sleeve and like on their lawns and like anywhere on their cars and like seeing like certain flags or whatever can be really uncomfortable for a lot of people and unfortunately like when you're driving through these small little rural towns going to these climbing areas like you see that everywhere you know I've had people like yell things like yell profanities out their window at me which like, you know, like I said, I can hold myself, but like, I don't want to put other people through that. So it's just kind of hard. I think there is like this like great shift or I don't want to say shift, but like more people are being more aware of like these issues, but I don't honestly have the answer of how to fix that because it's not like a climbing thing. That's like a people thing. (laughs) Like that's just people being fucking rude and racist and it's just disgusting. So I wish I had the answer of how to fix that, but I really don't. Yeah. Yeah. Just the the number of times I've heard people express the idea that like climbing is devoid of that because like somehow climbers are all special or like (laughs) we live in this bubble. Like (laughs) I don't know what bubble you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. But then it therefore points to the fact that like to fix it is way bigger, like way, way, it's like a society wide problem. It's people as you said. (laughs) It's just it's it it's not funny, but it's just like 
I wish people would like get their heads out of their asses sometimes when they're like, oh, like, you know, us climbers, like we're fixing this issue. And I'm like, this isn't really just a climbing issue. This is like a societal issue. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I, I don't know. But yeah, I feel like the things that we can do in these climbing spaces can fix some things, but like, that's not going to fix like the bigger issue out there, unfortunately. Like, it's just not like, so I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I don't really have the answer to that, but that's the, the honest truth. I, I do think that, like, yes, there's polarization is increasing across the world, is increasing in the in the U.S. and America. But I think it's also like I think often we can we can really think of, we really can be like, oh, we have to take on the problems of the world. How do we fix this? You know, how do we? It's and it's like, well, you know, I, I'm not sure that just like we we're not going to fix it in the climbing society, we're definitely not going to be able to fix it in like broader general society, you know, by our own two hands. That said, we can all, we can, wherever we all are, I think we can build a community, even if it's like a couple of people that you meet up with at the gym once a month, like that is something that almost all of us can do, right? It takes a little bit of effort, but like we can all do that. And like, that's, I think in a way, and that will feel way more meaningful than, sort of, I think, trying to wrestle with, like, these large sort of philosophical questions of society that we find ourselves, you know, with in 2023, right? I think that's, that's, that was a, I think, I definitely through, you know, for the last past couple of years of, you know, there's so, of of politics being so much more top of mind, you know, and so I, is, is identity politics a good or a bad word now? I can't keep track. But like, you know, every, I think people's identity is being, being something that's discussed so much. Um, and, you know, you can, it, it's like, that stuff is like, it always feels so intractable. It feels so massive. It's like, how do you change the opinion of like hundreds of millions of people? It's like, well, you don't necessarily need to do that, right? I think, you know, there's something you said about, you know, your own family and your own sort of group of friends where, you know, what is probably a little easier to have an impact, but also I think beyond that, just, hey, just meeting a couple of folks that, you know, that share your identity, share your lived experiences in some regular way. Like that's a very simple way. And that will feel so meaningful because it's like real and like in front of you and like sort of a real life interaction, right? Rather than I feel like so, so often we're like on Instagram or on Facebook, you know, God forbid, or whatever, whatever else it is. And trying to kind of reading all these articles online and being like, oh God, like things are so, things are so bad. And it's like, well, it's actually, you know, there's, there's a lot of people out there and you don't need like a couple people to hang out with before you're like, oh, actually, I feel way better now. I like that. Yeah, as much as M3. Yeah, it feels important to like both acknowledge the bigger society thing, but not let yourself throw your hands up and be like, that's it. It's permanently fucked. Like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just think about how it's like, then we're like, oh, let's all post a black square on Instagram. It's like, well, I don't think that's, I don't think that's the praxis we're looking for, right? God, that black square movement. <laughs> God. Okay, so to bring us back to climbing for a moment, like climbing specific, you and your body moving across rock, what's, or, I mean, I guess this is a pretty expansive question. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. What's something each of you are really proud of about your climbing, your personal climbing? You could spray about a route if you want to, or you could spray about (laughs) like your involvement in the community or something like that. Like I, I'm just psyched to hear something about something you're proud about. I think what I'm mostly proud about is my ability to like travel through climbing. I've been able to see like a, and go to like a lot of really, really cool places that I don't think I didn't think were fathomable 
years ago. You know, I got to like take a lot of time in Southeast Asia and a lot of time in like Cuba. And I pretty much go down to Mexico every single year just because I'm building a really cool community with with everyone down there. And I was just in Kalimnos and in Turkey over the fall winter, which was really, really cool. And for me, I just feel like being able to like go and visit other areas and other places and, you know, and do it in a different way. Not like the typical, like going for a week and spending like a shit ton of money on like fancy hotels and this and that, like just going and like reconnecting with the land and the outdoors and like learning about different cultures, eating different food and, you know, being able to do that on a pretty low budget. I'm like, I'm still really grateful for. Yeah, I've like climbed some hard things and like that was cool. I'm not one to usually like spray about that stuff. That's just, I don't know. It's cool. Every, people climb hard things all the time. But yeah, I for me, it's the traveling. Like, I love it. I'm never going to give it up. And like, I think going to Turkey this last winter was really like a highlight of like my, my climbing life. I never thought I'd go there and being able to be there for like a little over a month I think was amazing and like a great opportunity that I'm super grateful for. And yeah, I just keep telling everybody about the food and the people and just the culture, the history. Like it's just, it's, it was all so good. And I just want to keep doing more of that. I can talk about climbs, but they'll probably just be kind of boring. (laughs) None of my, none of my stuff I don't think is like super memorable. I'd say in a similar vein to Genevieve, I think I'm, and in the last couple of years, four or five years, I think gotten more into sort of alpine climbing. And I think it was something that for a long time, I never thought I could do. Like, I just didn't think that was, I could figure it out. Like, I just didn't grow up in the mountains. I didn't grow up and didn't see snow until I was like 16 or 17. Like, I just didn't, I just didn't, I just, you know, I'd, I'd always seen these posters of like these big white spiky mountains. And I'm like, oh, well, that's cool, but I'll never do that, you know, and I never, and it's funny because climbing and it came, rock climbing for me, I think came about more in a more roundabout fashion where I like, so just started doing it and I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't have a poster of Half Dome in my bedroom kind of thing, right? I was kind of just like, oh, what, I didn't even know what it was and then I just started doing it. So I didn't have, I think that same kind of like, the same kind of apprehension about it. And then, but with alpine climbing, I sort of started rock climbing for a while and then I was like, oh, wow, like there's all these, these, these bigger mountains I could try and do, but like it seems so impossible and there's like so much gear and so many things to learn. And like, it's, and so I'm really, I think, so I, I think the last couple of years I've been able to, you know, go to places like Baffin and Pakistan to do some, to do alpine climbing, Patagonia and things like that. And I think I'm just, I'm really psyched that I could even go to those places and like sort of survive there and like sort of be able to like do anything there. Like I just never, it was just because for so many years I was just like, wow, I would really love to go to Patagonia. But like, I, I just feel like I would never be able to do it. I would just, I would just immediately die. <laughs> so, you know, it was kind of, um, yeah, that's been, that's been my, that's probably the thing I'm most, in some ways most proud of, but just, I, I think I'm still a little bit in this belief. That I'm like, oh, I, I guess I can just go to, I can't, I can go to these places now. I sort of maybe can have some of the skills to, to manage, you know, on some of these trips. So I also kind of travel, but maybe a different, it's like a different kind of travel than Genevieve was talking about as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely not an alpine climber. I hate hiking. <laughs> I hate it so much. <laughs> I want like 15 minute approach max. <laughs> That's so so yeah, you wouldn't have as much fun in the places I went. You'd, you'd get bored. You'd be like, we're here already. <laughs> 
No, I love I love a short approach too. It's <laughs> Alpine climbing is mostly just carrying your gear around yeah. and then occasionally you get to do a, maybe a little climbing if you're if you're lucky. <laughs> uh, I feel like all the guiding and climbing I've done, I like still suck at hiking. It like never gets easier. I think because I like purposely like seek out these like short approach areas <laughs> and like being in Chattanooga now, like everything is like a pretty short approach. So it's like not helping my hiking endurance and least bit. And anytime good, somebody's, <laughs> anytime somebody's like, Hey, you want to like do this epic Alpine thing? I'm like, how long is the approach? Like, like two hours. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. You should know better. <laughs> Well, you get good at what you're doing. You get good at what you do a lot, right? So, yeah. <laughs> I'm just so impressed. I'm always so impressed by like people that can do stuff like that. Like, because I just feel like it takes so much endurance. Like, being able to like do all that hiking with all that stuff on your back, and then still being able to climb as well. And then if you're doing that in a day push and like hiking back, like that's a lot. That's a that's that's a lot. <laughs> like, it's just really impressive. It's a, it's a lot. Yeah. I, I'm for many years. I was, I mean, I was, it's, I was always the last person on the approach. Um, and, um, I basically took up an entire other sport of running to try and fix that problem. It was literally, I was just like, I was like, I'm always getting to the climb and I'm just like, you know, it's, it's a two hour approach. And I get there. I'm just like, wow, I'm so tired. And like, everyone's already been here for like 15 minutes. And I'm just like, Oh, I should really try and do something up this because I, I really like these big mountains. You know, I love I, like I, I love being in the backcountry, but I'm like kind of just getting crushed by it. So I'm like, maybe I should like I think I need to do more cardio. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like everyone, I'm like, okay, I'll go run, I guess. And then I would go run like two miles and be like, okay, I almost died. Okay, <laughs> you know. And then, but then you know, like anything else, you sort of you start and you build it up, right? And um, and now I'm a big fan of telling people anyone can run an ultra marathon. You just need to start it. Two miles and then build it up and add a little bit every week and don't add too much too quickly. In that way, in some ways, very similar to climbing and or like hangboarding and things like that. Um, just progressive overload. That's so funny. I literally also started running just for the approaches. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Can I just say I literally ran for the first time this morning in like three years. <laughs> I just like, honestly, I just went to Walmart like yesterday, bought a pair of sneakers. I don't even own running sneakers. I don't. And I told myself like, I've been telling myself 2023 was the year that I was going to start running. And it's already April. And I, well, about the April, I haven't run. Um, so yeah, I did 20 minutes this morning. It was, it was like a mile and a half. <laughs> Love That's it. all you need. Yeah. yeah perfect. <laughs> okay. So I also just want to know, do you guys have any crazy guiding stories that you can share, like, anonymously, don't, like, let on what happened? But, like, I feel like you have to have, like, just this backlog of crazy things that happened. Most of the guiding that I do is single pitch guiding. So I feel like it's pretty, I won't say easy, but it's, like, easier for the risk in terms of risk management. So I'm not, I really honestly don't have any of that crazy stories, luckily, like, I'm I'm pretty proud of that. Um, I usually also within guiding, I tried to limit the amount of leading I let people do just because like that does incorporate more risk. So I, I don't know. I think I'm a pretty like overly safe guide. I'm like, I just don't want anybody to get hurt at any point. But yeah, no, I really don't. Like <laughs> I did. Maybe once I start multi-pitch guiding, there'll be some crazy things, but hopefully not. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, ideally, because like <laughs> then somebody's getting hurt or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as I say, usually there, yeah, there's some type of accident or incident or something. But I say like within my personal climbing, like I've definitely seen some sketchy things. Like I remember years ago, I was on. The, it's always when I'm on the ground. Like you just, there's always stuff going on up on the wall. <laughs> you just like have no control over. But somebody was top roping to clean a route like a single pitch sport route and they got to the top and i believe there were just like it was like two draws with the rope through so not like lockers or any type of like top rope anchor and it was on a fin so you like climb the 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 face and then you can kind of like sit and summit on this like nice little knife edge fin she got to the fin and like unclipped herself from the anchor like cleaned the anchor and everything and was just sitting on top and she was like and we looked up and we were like, no, no, like everybody on the ground was like, don't move. Um, so we had to kind of coach her because nobody had time to like run up. So coaching her into kind of getting herself safe again. So that was that was scary. I think that was one of the most scariest things that I've seen because that could have really been <laughs> so detrimental. Yeah, We're, it's hard. I feel like people go out because they're excited and maybe they like seen a couple of things on YouTube or read it like a couple of things in a book and just feel like, OK, they're ready to go out. And like I love the confidence that people have. But like, you know, I always tell people like climbing is inherently dangerous. Like the things that we do are dangerous and like we implement ways to make it safe. So like if you don't have those skills, like then you're just like throwing up a lot of chances out there so yeah i don't know scary scary shit let's see i have a crazy guiding story i was like i don't have any crazy stories but then i realized you know you try to kind of um you don't you like suppress them um but um <laughs> yeah everything's been great i think it was my i had just i think this was literally my first day guiding ever after i got my spi like just like a year year and a half ish ago and um it was my first guiding ever. I took like six career college kids out, like sort of, you know, their first time ever. We did two days in the gym and then the th- first, you know, the, the third day was their first time climbing outside. My first day, like actually sort of guiding or an SP, like my SPI by myself outside. And we're like up on the top of this like 30 foot, you know, the, the crag and we're just doing belay repel. So we just got out there. We just start, just started, right? We not have, haven't really started climbing yet. And there was this other group that was climbing next to us and so close that like, when they topped out, like I was on the anchor right next to them, so I could just give them a high five. When you know, when top and be like, "Oh, good job, right?" And they're climbing, and so we're like, we're, "You know, I've gone sending folks down the the rappels, and someone's literally like just about to like I'm coaching them on the leaning back thing, which is always like super scary for some people. Some people just do it, but some people are like super scary. And you know, I'm doing that, and the, someone in the other group comes up, we give them a high five, and they start lowering, and they just drop because their belayer just lets go of the the brake strand, the ATC, or it was an ATC for sure. And so they just like, I just watched this person just tumble down the side of a crag. And I was just like, oh, I, 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 don't know if, I remember my first thought was like, huh, I've never seen like a body fall before. Like, I was like, it's kind of like just, it's, it was, uh, it's, it's pretty unforgettable. <laughs> but I was just like, oh my God, what do I do? And, you know, I mean, after, after, you know, a couple of seconds of like deer in the headlights, I was like, oh, okay, well, all right. Like, you know, I have a woofer. I can like try and do something, but also we're like 30 seconds on the road. So, I, you know, it got the person off to the person in my group off their pal and I went down and I, they were actually, they seemed to be okay. And of course they weren't wearing a helmet and, um, 
but they seemed to be okay. I think they like stood up for a little bit and they're like, oh, things hurt. And they sat down and, and I remember just being like, did anyone call 911? Cool. Okay. We're just going to go chill somewhere else then and just like move on from the situation. Cause it was just like, I'm not gonna Like there's so much, so many things could be, could be wrong there. And I just don't like all of a sudden I was like, oh, I really also only have like 10 days of medical training, which is really not very much. So I was like, I should just not do this because the ambulance will be here in four minutes. And you know, there weren't like, you know, there wasn't any, any sort of, you know, massive bleeding or things like that. And I wish I found a way to follow up with an, I, I think they, I think that I'm sure they were, they were okay. Probably had a, I think a, a concussion and sort of probably just, just scrapes and bruises, but um, I don't think anything severe, but it was like, I, I remember being like, really? I'm the first day I'm ever, my, my first guiding day ever. Come on. <laughs> but that was, that was a crazy story. I still have never seen, that was still the first and so far the only time I've seen anyone like a body just like tumble down a cliff. It was just crazy. I'll never forget it. Did that give you like any PTSD? I feel like that kind of. Um, maybe, maybe not that I know of. It was funny because I think you know one thing that is, I think this I definitely one thing that's interesting. I think about being being a guide or being an instructor and generally, I think being in that kind of position is that like I was, I really, in a way, I think it's it it's lucky, right? I I really focused on like of my participants like feeling because I mean they were also like wow what just happened like is that going to happen to us like what what did we sign up you know it's like it's super because their first time ever outdoors as well so I got to really focus something on their well-being which I think you know some sometimes that you know causes you to sort of push your own stuff under the rug but like in this case I think it was helpful for me because I was kind of like okay cool like I want to make sure they're okay and I want to make sure that like you know, I, I think it let me not kind of like ruminate, let's say about like, oh God, that was a crazy, but I think later that night, I definitely was like, oh wow, I can't believe that happened. Like, I just, I just, you know, you play back that like couple of seconds in your head kind of thing. But I think so far, I, I'm still guiding, still climbing. So That's good. I like haven't seen anything like that in person. And I always wondered like, oh no, that like ruined me. You know, like what I because I still get in my head sometimes when I climb, like it's like a never ending battle. Sometimes like, oh, no, like would that really like just throw me over the edge or would I be able to like separate myself and be like, OK, like, you know, there probably was some like user error in some way. Like, you know, I have the skills to be able to like mitigate that. <laughs> but so far, I haven't seen anything. <laughs> Yeah, and I think just belay of a Greek read. Let's just start there. Uh, yeah. Really <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, this feels like a bad transition because I'm going to be like, tell us about United in Yosemite. <laughs> like, that's not going to happen to anybody who's going to. <laughs> no, we'll definitely use Greek reads. Yeah, it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I guess, can we, let's go there. What is United in Yosemite? What's the vision and let's, yeah, let's start there. What, why are you guys excited about it? What's the vision? I'm excited because I've never been to Yosemite. Like, it's been on my, like, dream list for years. But I've just never made it out there. I'm usually on the East Coast and really far away. Um, and granite's usually not something I climb on. So it's always been kind of intimidating. I mean, all the stories I hear, it's, like, big walls and, like, hard routes and everything sandbagged. and But, like... Like, just seeing photos, it's just so dang beautiful. Like, and I know those don't even do justice. So I'm just really excited to, like, be in this, like, super epic, beautiful place that has, like, you know, pretty deep, like, 
roots with climbing, some good, some bad. But like overall, I'm just really excited about like the community that's kind of foster, like really getting like a bunch of people together, like and just having fun. I I don't feel like there are a lot of these like bigger festivals out there like that that kind of like foster this like community space i mean we thomas and i just kind of came from one that was great but i'm like excited that there are more you know like i don't want to just have to like look forward to one or two a year like i want like more of this stuff to to pop up more and more throughout the year so i'm just excited to like go to a new place be around a bunch of amazing folks and just like experience this this new place with everybody and just like really it's really a community for me. I keep going back to that word, but it really is. And to like teach too. I'm like, this is crazy. I'm not just going to be like going to Yosemite. I'm also going to be able to like instruct there, which is like insane. And I don't really know who's on the roster yet, but I'm, I'm sure it's going to be like a really good lineup of people. Yeah. I mean, United Yosemite is also the first sort of, it's the first time there's an affinity focused festival in Yosemite. Like, I mean, there's not, I think there's there's more of those now, but like you know, there's still. I think there's in Yosemite there's facelift, which is a great event of its own. But I I think my I'm excited for this partially because, like I said before, like I wish there was something like this when I was ten, twelve years ago when I first started thinking about trying to go to Yosemite and being like, oh, I heard there's good climbing in Yosemite, and like not realizing that it's all tried climbing and not realizing that like all oh, the camping is really difficult to figure out. Oh, you need like a car. You need like drive four hours like you know sort of all the like all the routes sound really hard and impossible and the easy ones are all really slippery and oh you know how to crack climb there's so many aspects to it that i think are just it's, it's just so hard to put it all together so that you can get there for a weekend and that you can have fun there and i think we've tried as in the organizers for this for the festival has really tried to I think address those things and have and ha- make it as I think comfortable and as sort of approachable and as accessible as possible, and I'm just really excited because I I knew I really I wish there was something like this for me when I first started climbing Yosemite or when I first started thinking about climbing Yosemite, and I know there's so many other people out there that um you know have always found it intimidating or found it just impossible to figure out how to get there and f- figure out how to even go go climb there in the first place so. Yeah, I'm. Re- I'm just. I'm just really excited that there is something like this, and that we can't. Like, we can make some a place that some of the reasons why it's inaccessible are just geology and physics, and some of it is also you know social and cultural. So I'm glad we're doing something about that. Yeah, I was actually kind of wanted to specifically ask about. I think there's a continuing narrative that Yosemite is the epicenter of climbing in at least in the United States, and I'm. And I think I've heard some people kind of indicate like this festival is especially important because it's in the epicenter of climbing and like that sort of thing. Do you both buy into that? Like, do you feel like this festival is significant because of the deep history of of Yosemite climbing and the exclusion elements there? Or do you, are you like, maybe, but like, I'm far more interested in the fact that there's other epicenters of climbing popping up everywhere and like what those mean. Yeah, I I feel like I'm similar with Thomas in the sense of like when I first started climbing, like I didn't grow up even knowing that climbing was a thing. I didn't also have like a poster of like Half Dome in my room. Like when I first started climbing, like all I knew about Yosemite was like things I'd seen like magazines, like a photo here and there. Like I didn't really know like 
anything about Yosemite except that it looked really, really cool. And for me, like, I don't think of it as an epicenter just because, like, I don't have any experience there. Like, it's not like I grew up on the West Coast and, like, would go there for, you know, hiking or whatever or climbing. Like, for me, like, for me, my epicenter is the gunks. Like, that's where I first started climbing when I in college and like I mean there's a really deep history there as well so I don't know for me it's just my experience is like it's not about Yosemite being this epicenter it's just about like going to this really cool place amongst a bunch of other really cool places in the states with a bunch of really rad people like (laughs) that's that's what it is for me I'm sure other people's experiences are different but that's just mine yeah, I think that's such an interesting question. Like, what is the epicenter? Like, what what makes something the epicenter, an epicenter in climbing? I think everyone likes to think, you know, their favorite crag or their favorite place. It's like, oh, that's, oh, that's some, that's where some really significant climbing happens. But I mean, I think a lot of things have happened in Yosemite. I think it's a place that's really inspiring and really, it's really challenging, right? It's a place that I think has, I think still continues to offer a very durable challenge in climbing. And I think that that's, like, I think one, here's a, I think a good, when I, when I was kind of thinking through sort of recording this episode with Jan, one thing I thought of was like, so I've now spent two winters with their summers down in Patagonia. And I've, it seems like folks that climb a lot in Yosemite do really well, for example, in a place like Patagonia, because they know how to move up really big rock faces really fast. And I think and I've seen a lot of other folks that, you know, maybe haven't climbed Yosemite very much that are down in Patagonia being like, oh, you know what? Next year, I really got to like go spend some time in Yosemite, like the, all these other people and like, you know, get better and faster at rock. And then, you know, I'll do so much better. Down here. So I think in that way, there is, I think there is an importance in Yosemite just because of the geology of the place, right? And the kind of challenge that it offers in climbing. But these days, I mean, I would argue the episode of the climbing is the gym right between like the olympics and it's funny because you know 10 or 15 years ago like you went climbing the gym because you know you couldn't get outside because the crack was too far away or you you know, you, you had a day job so you were working until you know the, the sunset and so you're like, i guess i'll just squeeze in the gym session but now it's like there's so many people that only climb in the gym that have never climbed outdoors and they're like incredibly inc- good strong and good climbers and they've been climbing for five ten years but they've never climbed outdoors and it's funny, I think, to, for someone like me, where I think climbing, for me, is so much about exploration. I'm just like, wait, is this even climbing? But it's like, of course it is, right? I think that's, like, climbing's becoming, as it's become more mainstream and also just as it's grown as a sport, it's also becoming a lot more diverse in terms of the kinds of things that are, that really fall under the umbrella of climbing. So I think it's like this idea of that, if there was ever, maybe in the, I don't know, the 60s or something, maybe, or the 70s, you know, Yosemite was one could say was an epicenter of climbing in the U S I think nowadays it's like, there's, there's so much, um, it's, it's such so much bigger of a sport that like, I think that idea doesn't really make sense anymore, but it is still really rad and really cool. And it's really pretty. I always like to say, um, I think they took it off now with like the, the, the real ideas, but it, like Yosemite used to be on the dry, the California driver's license. It's like after I climbed half too much, people would be like, Oh, what do you do this week? And I was, like, I climbed the thing that's on your driver's license. <laughs> It was like, it was like literally on the driver's house, like that thing up there. It's like, it's like that. I mean, it's like, it's like, that's the level. Like, it's like, you know, it's something like half film is probably one of the most 10 most like, you know, popular hikes in the world. Like it's, um, it has, it does have a lot of significance in that way. And I think being, and I think with that significance, you know, so like there's a sort of the, the big fish, big pond effect, right? It also is really, really hard 
it makes it really hard because everyone wants to go there and it makes it really hard to to go there so I'm, I'm just i'm glad that we can try and make that a little bit easier yeah and i think also i mean just with social media and everything now it's like people are starting to learn about other areas of other climbing areas that maybe I I didn't even know about when I first started climbing. There's just, I think there's just a lot more, there's a lot more places that are opening up and becoming more tangible for, for folks, both nationally, like in, in, in internationally as well. So yeah, I, I just feel like I didn't even think about the gym. Like, yeah, you're right. Like the gym is getting so popular. I like the gym. Those nice condies all year round, prime. Gym climbing <laughs> is great. <laughs> you know, you can go no in approach. for like two hours. No approach. Oh, my God. Yeah. And there's showers and bathrooms right there. <laughs> you don't have to pack anything out. It's great. That is so funny. <laughs> no approach. That's, yeah, that's really interesting. I think that's a really interesting way to think about the evolution of the epicenter of climbing. And I'm really glad that I asked that because that was some really interesting thoughts there. I also kind of wanted to specifically dig into, you know, I think both of you have kind of mentioned like, this is just one affinity focused event in in a growing list of them. And that's really awesome. I do kind of want to dig into though, like what do events like this enable? Like, is it part of some, the progression of climbing towards being a more inclusive space? Or is it just kind of like a really fun time and that's great, but it's not necessarily part of like what needs to happen in terms of like really transforming climbing? I really love affinity spaces and I think they're super important. I don't think like everybody needs them, but it's nice that it's out there as an option for people. I feel like not everybody out there feels like they need to like be around other people that look like them or share similar experiences and that's fine. But like it's nice also like have these spaces as an as an option for people who like are kind of craving more of that like community feel. Yeah, I'm going to stop there for a second and think more about it. I think I would harken back to a little bit what I said earlier around you know, I think there's at the end of the day, you know, if you have a if you have a really great experience with a couple of people that you feel like can understand you, like that that can that can sometimes almost that can be sufficient, right? That can be enough in life. And I feel like these affinity festivals I think offer climbing, which for it seems like most people can be a really fun experience, a really fun day, or it can be a really fun a really fun experience. And you know, I think in an affinity context, you can do it with people that are, that can understand sort of your lived experience um, a little better than, you know, say the, the average person that you, you, you run into on the street. And um, I think one aspect of these affinity festivals that are really important or valuable is that, I mean, climbing, especially climbing is a, you know, sport when you're not, when you're not doing it in the gym anyway, where, you know, everyone's always spread out, right? You're spread out a crag, you're spread out of multiple crags, you know, everyone's you know, always traveling to, I'm going to go climbing, you know, I'm going to climb in, climb in Turkey or climb in, you know, climb in on the other side of the country and things like that. And I think these affinity festivals are a chance for us to gather. Right. And I think the more, again, the more intersectional your identities are, um, and also the smaller, the more niche your identity is, I think the the more valuable it is to have, um, an event that like, hopefully gather some a few of the folks that share your identities and share your experiences 
and otherwise, like without that, otherwise it can be really hard to find other people that are also sort of the way that you are. And that I think is something that's really valuable. By, I mean, you know, in Yosemite for sure, but also just affinity events in general and also inside and outside of climbing, right? Like that I think is, you can, it, it gives you that chance to have that experience of like, oh, let me, I have, there's a couple of people I can do a thing with who understand my lived experience. That's just a... Uh, yeah, it's I, I, that kind of real life interaction is so meaningful and it's so it's can, can be so hard to get. I also think it's like super valuable to have these clinics and stuff offered one usually at like a lower price that you can usually get if you just hire a guide and two to like be taught by such a diverse set of people, which I think is like valuable in itself. I know when I first started kind of working in these affinity spaces, like I honestly didn't know who was out there in the guiding world. And like just being able to like meet other people like Thomas and a bunch of other really amazing folks who are guiding. I'm like, I didn't even know y'all existed. Like, this is great. It's like really great to be able to like build that network as well, not just for the attendees, but for the instructors as well. I don't know. I just think like, yeah, it's, a, it's such a healing space. Maybe not for everybody, but for me, it's definitely like a healing space. It like really gives me like the time to just like, really be myself, maybe learn a little bit about myself. Usually within these festivals, there's like talks going on that are based around really good topics and conversation that I feel like I usually don't really see in other type of festivals. I feel like a lot of these just like plain Jane generic festivals. Like it's just, I don't know. There's just something about these affinity spaces where there's a lot of like love and passion and thought put into these. And, you know, it you can, you can feel that when you attend. But yeah, these like, the, I love going to the talks. I love like hearing folks in the community speak about like their experiences and what, and what they think like we could do to maybe help and, and grow this space. I just think like festivals like this are just very, super valuable in many ways. Love them. <laughs> and I think the clinics are free this time or the, for this festival anyway. The, the clinics are free between the support of the AC, New Sermon Conservancy, and um, I think a couple other um, brands that are going to be supporting the festival. So they're free, which is like amazing. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. That's awesome. Never happened. I didn't even know that. So that's great. No, that's great. Because I mean, it is, it's, it can get so expensive to hire a guide, which, you know, as a guide, like, you know, our time and everything that we put into our certifications are very valuable and worth it. But you know, that is kind of like a barrier right there for a lot of people. So it's really cool that like we're being able to like offer these for for free. Fucking rad. Well, so I kind of want to connect the dots on something you were saying, Genevieve, and what you were saying, Thomas, like, I feel like Thomas, you were particularly talking about like the experience of the festival in the moment. But then Genevieve started talking about networking with other guides. And I was curious like in your personal experience do these types of events like have ripple effects in terms of your network and like your friend groups and like that sort of thing like does it be grow bigger than just the space itself or does it tend to st kind of like be mostly just that one weekend no for sure i mean all my i think all my friends that i've met in the guiding world that i hang out with now all the time are all through these festivals i've gotten lots of job opportunities through like you know, uh, through these kinds of events and things like that. Like it's, it's, I mean, it's a gathering space for everyone, everyone, right. And that includes, I think the guides and the instructors that are participating too. So it's like, it's a, yeah, there's going to be a bunch of athletes. that are like, it's going to be, it's, it's, um, 
yeah, I think it's it's uh, it's actually it's super valuable, right? To be able to just gather everyone, and especially I think again, like it's so hard to like. I feel like I see Genevieve like once or twice a year, and it's always at some affinity festival, right? And it's like I think without those festivals, I think I, maybe I would never have met her in the first place. I know, and I feel like the last festival we were just all at, it was like, you know, I mean, everybody lives busy lives, like you know, we're constantly working and doing all these things and bouncing around. And like a couple of weeks ago when we we're all at, at another a festival, it was like, Oh my God, it was like camp all over again. I feel like we all got to like see our friends and make new ones. And like, it, it really is just this chance to reconnect and connect with new folks. And it's really cool to see like people from, di- from, you know, like different regions, like come together and, and meet other people within their region that they had no clue even like, was there you know like maybe this person goes to the gym the same gym that they go to at different times or different days and they had no idea and like now it's cool like seeing people like you know make friends and make plans to do things with each other outside of this festival it's like it really is a great way to connect either with people in your area or like outside of that area it's like it's it's just wonderful it's great it's i need it (laughs) okay so I also wanted to kind of ask, like, sounds like you guys are super psyched about United Yosemite. That's amazing. What else would you love to see from the climbing world uh, or climbing culture and or who is charting the future of climbing right now that we need to be paying more attention to? I remember, like, reading this question and it was, like, really hard for me to answer because, yeah, hold on. I'm going to think about this again for another minute. (laughs) This is a difficult question, okay? Okay, well, I don't know if this really, like, answers the question per se, but what I want to see more of going forth is, you know, I'm, like, so excited for events like this, like United in Yosemite. But even outside of that, like, there are so many other, like, smaller meetups and events and festivals that are happening that are run by a lot of, like, smaller, even, like, local organizations. And it, I just think, like, it'd be really cool to see more attention also brought to them especially like organizations that have just been like doing this work for many many years way before like being somebody of color in the climbing world was a popular thing like honestly like i feel like 2020 was kind of this like shift where everybody's like oh my god it's like let's put this face here and like do this thing for like this marginalized group over here but it's like way before like there have been people doing this work and i can't say i'm a part of that because i haven't been but i've just like seen work that has been done by people like for years now and a lot of times i think one of the biggest barriers is like for them to run events and groups like this is like funding so it'd be really cool to just see more funding being like circulated and like outwards because we really should be be supporting these like really small local organizations you know that are like run by people of color doing things for like people of color like are there or other groups i just don't want them to get outshined like because these these are like the kind of like the grassroots organizations right like they're doing all the work themselves and there's a lot of love and passion behind that and i think when you like attend things like that like you can feel it so i just want to make sure that these like they just keep being able to do what they've been doing for a long time i don't know if that really answers the question but i think building on that i think one thing yeah i also found it really i was like oh like where where should climbing be going where should where what what where what what more work needs to be done. I think one thing that would be really helpful 
and make, I think, outdoor climbing a lot more accessible is, I think, being trying to reform I think, a lot of the permitting systems around guiding in the guiding in the outdoors. I think a lot of times there's, I think there's just like, there's a lot of like red tape, essentially, you know, as a guide, or if you're trying to start a guiding company, or if you're, or you're just trying to play, hey, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a gym meetup, and I want to, I want to, you know, people climb in the gym, you know, for a couple months, and then naturally, they're like, Oh, I want to try climbing outside. And then if you're someone who is organizing this meetup, and you're trying to put together put that together, it is really, really difficult to, like, find a guide, find the permit, find the insurance and to kind of put an event together that that really is not that complicated, right? I think like sort of gym to crag, like some taking someone climbing outside for the first time, like it's not, that's something that we've done a lot of now. And we, I think we know how to do that pretty safely in most places in, in the US. And but it's still really difficult. And especially in the permitting process of the land managers, you know, with national parks or national state parks and things like that. I think that's something that I, I've, I think partially, partially, I've struggled a lot with that and trying to first figure out how I can, you know, work. I mean, I've worked with a lot of sort of local gym, sort of meetup groups being like, oh, we want to, you know, we want to have like a queer intro to outdoor climbing, you know, day. And I'm kind of like, okay, well, we're going to have to do like these 17 things now. And so I, that's something I think would help a lot is I think having, try, trying to sort of standardize sort of the permitting system around just taking sort of guiding outside and things like that in Europe, let me see if i remember this in europe i believe the way it works is that instead of being the permit going to a company the permit you you if you're like a certified guide you can just like the permit that like you can get the permit individually right and so like even that system works a lot better than here where it's like, you know, only a couple for most, for most of the places, especially the more famous and the more, I think more popular, the location, only a few companies end up getting the permit. And then they hold sort of all the power in terms of being able to like who, now who gets to guide in this place and who gets to introduce people to climbing in this place. You have to go for this company. And, you know, we can, I think some of these companies can be very exclusive and some of these companies can be very sort of gatekeepy. And of course we can always focus on these companies and these people and be like, Oh, they need to do better. And they do need to do better, but also we can, we get the system can work in a way that doesn't centralize the power in a couple of people and a couple of companies. So that's, I mean, it's, it may feel like kind of a sort of an obscure sort of like technicality, but I've, I've really found that to be a, it's just a huge barrier in getting folks outside because most folks want some kind of, instruction the first couple of times they're going outdoors um there's more and more folks that have spis and various guiding certs and have the skills to do it but it is really hard to kind of do it in a way that's above board yeah i totally agree with that like restructuring the permitting system because i'm going through the same issue right now is like i have these like certifications and i have people who want to be instructed by me and i don't really have the means of getting my own permits like I think there was even one area where I was like just looking into it and they only give out, I think like a few permits every year, but it goes like some companies just have that monopoly and they, they automatically get it every single year and there's no space for somebody new to come in. And it's like when I'm running like an affinity group, especially for like a, like a BIPOC group, like I want to make sure that the money that I'm making and like giving out whatever is like recirculating back in my community. I don't want to be giving like 30, 
40% or whatever to some random guiding company who has no like similar mission as to what I have and doesn't give a crap about my community. Like, so there, I agree, like there needs to be something done with that because there are so many more people that are like becoming guides and like have the, and want to like have their own companies and we just don't have that means. Make that happen. Let's make that happen. Yeah, I think that there's actually a bill in Congress called Recreation Not Red Tape that is like about permitting and guiding. I think that specifically is the point is just like no red tape so that you like it stops being like such a problem. But I don't I do kind of feel like I haven't heard that much about it recently. So I wonder if it just kind of fell flat. Yeah, I haven't heard of it. I know there was like, the, what is it like the guiding co-op or whatever that used to be a thing? That you could like be a part of that I like try to look into, but their website sucks and it's like really hard to navigate. But I guess they're like kind of diminishing the the company. But it used to be like where you could, as I don't, and this is also pretty gatekeepy if I'm saying everything right, is I feel like you couldn't you couldn't apply to be a member as like an SPI if you had to be like a rock guide or higher, which already there I'm like okay. But they like provided a bunch of permits and an insurance for like certain areas around the country, but. Again, it was really hard to navigate their website. It really sucked. But people tell me that it's not a thing anymore or they're not going to make it a thing anymore. So it'd be cool to like have something similar to that where like you can, you know, pay whatever yearly fee and you like have access to like so and so permits, insurance. The permits are really the big thing is like being able to like legally guide and instruct in these areas. Yeah, I think I think we talk about Genevieve's certified guides co-op, which I think they ran into a insurance issue in the last couple months, um, oh. and I don't think it's like going away. I think it's just, I think it's not going away. I hope it's not going away. But it's just a it's just a handful of climbers or guides coming together and being like, oh, maybe we can like try and you know m- sort of make a bit of a different kind of company um, and have something that's a little more loose and flexible and. And I think you actually can join this as, as an SPI, but anyways, it's it's a little bit besides the point right now because I need to figure out their insurance thing first. But okay. not to, not to turn this into a guiding podcast, but <laughs> we can go on for days about guiding. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for being on the podcast and sharing all your thoughts and everything. Would you like to lead us leave us with anything like last bits of excitement for United in Yosemite? I'm just psyched, like. I'm a noob to Yosemite, so it's all going to be brand spanking new for me. So I'm just going to be like smiling from ear to ear the entire time. So just get ready. <laughs> I'm, I'm of course also really excited. It's, I mean, Yosemite is a really amazing place. It has a really amazing energy of its own. And also a lot of us that are organizing this festival, you know, it's, it's, um, I think, like I said, we, you know, this is something I wish I had when I was first starting out and when I was much younger and, and much much more naive and much more overwhelmed by life and being an adult and so on. So I think I'm not speaking too far, doing it too far on a limb to, to say that like, and this is also for a lot of us organizing this, this is also our, our attempt at reparenting a small part of ourselves from the past. So we really care about it. We really want this to be a really great event and we really are you know, putting a lot of intentionality behind it. Yeah. Last though, I, how if people want to u- utilize your services as a guide, how do they find you? Slide into um, the DMs, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As I say, you can like follow me on Instagram on Walker Genevieve. 
I did just make a website. Well, my partner made a website for me. And I think it's just GenevieveWalker.com. So, and all my information is there. Yeah. It's basically it. I'm not that official. <laughs> I think we're, yeah, I think we're still, hey, follow, hey, follow me on Instagram. I think is where we're at right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm at NeoDude, N-E-O-D-U-D. Um, and yeah. And also I think you'll, you know, well, you'll see us at a lot of the, the, the usual haunts of affinity festivals around the country. So that's another way. Just bump into us. Go to one, go to something that's cool in your area and you'll probably bump into us eventually. Yeah. yeah. Or come to United in some Yosemite and you'll see us there. <laughs> You're going to get like 600 people being like, can I be your friend, please? <laughs> yes. And yes. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you guys so much. This is a really awesome chat. This podcast is presented by Outdoor Research. Today's show was hosted by me, Hannah Provo, and produced by Sierra McGivney and Shane Johnson. If you want to support work like this, you can help the AAC serve the entire climbing community through our Climb United work, policy and education work, and so much more. Help us make it happen at AmericanAlpineClub.org slash donate.